Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Well, hello, and welcome to episode 69 of Kindled. This week, I am chatting with Rebecca Hargraves. Rebecca is a wife, a mom of two littles, a blogger, podcaster, and an author whose passion is to edify, equip, and encourage women in their journey of biblical womanhood, particularly with an emphasis on the gospel and its implications for everyday life. Rebecca wrote a book called Lies Moms Believe and How the Gospel Refutes Them, which released in the fall of 2017, and her companion Bible study came out in March of 2018. And so today, Rebecca and I are chatting all about some of the lies that we believe as moms, and it's just a really honest and forthright conversation about some of the lies we've personally believed, and uh, so I hope that you'll hear yourself in this, but more importantly than just what, you know, hearing the lies that you recognize that you've heard or, or believed in the past, I hope you will see and hear how the gospel refutes them and how there is no word more powerful than the word of God to hold up a candle and a light to the darkness of the lies that we sometimes find ourselves kind of um, stuck in. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this. And yeah, I'm just going to get right into it. Here's my conversation with Rebecca. All right, Rebecca Hargraves, thank you so much for joining us on Kindle today. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. This is so fun. Yeah, I'm so excited that we're finally getting a chance to talk. We've been trying to make this happen for a while. I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners for those people that have not heard of you and know all about you. Sure. Well, I'm Rebecca Hargraves, and I live in Tennessee with my husband, Owen, and our two kiddos. Anna is four, James is two, and I stay home with them and work from home. So they keep me busy, and so does my work, (laughs) all forms of work. And so I do preschool with Anna, and um, I write and blog and podcast, and um, recently founded a magazine, and have written a couple books. So writing is definitely one of my big passions. So that kind of incorporates into a lot of different things. (laughs) I'm always really impressed with moms of young kids who write books. I mean, it's, that is a huge undertaking. Like I, I realize that that's a lot. I have to tell you, I could not do it like alone. I mean, my, my mom lives in town. I always kind of give that caveat, like, you know, with the podcasting and my things like that. And then also my kids, like for this current season, we'll see how it changes. Mm -hmm. But for this current season, they seem to sleep in pretty good. Mm -hmm. That's probably because our family dynamics are so not normal and we go to bed late. And (laughs) so those things have kind of helped, but yeah, it's, it is a lot. And so I always, even though I've done it, like I always try to, you know, when I meet other moms that have done it, like try to pick their brain and Mm -hmm. come up with some tips and tricks because I feel like I could always learn more (laughs) and how to kind of juggle some of those things. How late do your kids sleep in? I just, I want to make myself jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it does vary. Um, James sleeps longer than Anna does. Anna's up usually around 8.30 to 9. James wow. is like 9, sometimes 9.30 if he's gone to bed really wow. late. Because he is kind of in a growth spurt too, so it's kind of mm-hmm. bumped it even further back. But they just, I think it's because they go to bed late. and it Like just how late is bed? So bed is like, it varies. <laughs> we are so not strict. It's terrible. But it does depend on the night. But like mm-hmm. 9 sometimes a little bit later, like, cause we love to have people over and things like that. And so yeah. sometimes like if they leave kind of late, then it's right. back. Yeah. You're at that age where like, you can kind of, I'm like just a little beyond that, but it's like, mm-hmm. you can kind of start to let them stay up a little later. I mean, our normal bedtime is seven or seven 30, but yeah. you know, when we have family over, like for a birthday party or whatever, like they, I'm, I'm letting them stay up till nine or nine 30 and they're yeah. fine. You know, I mean, right. they don't always sleep in that great. So, I mean, <laughs> at least you got that going for you, but yeah, I mean, it just kind of depends too. Like, would you want to get that time yes. on the front end, you know, of the day versus the back end, you know? And That's so true. And honestly, I, I mean, not every writer's this way, but my brain at night is done. Oh, like I just can't. So I yeah. have to have that morning time to like actually yeah. have something to say. <laughs> I know it's so challenging because like, that's when I have my window is the evenings, but by the time I sit down and I know this is every mom out there or lots of moms, I used to be a complete night out. I would stay up till one, 2 AM working, be productive, get creative. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like, I literally stare at my computer screen and I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm just like totally a zombie. And then I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm just making myself feel like I'm productive, but I'm actually not at all. So Uh, I get that. Like I get that brain fog of like, okay, I have these different tasks I could do, but what do I do? And 
what do I start? Too much. And, I can't start yes. anything tonight. I'll just, exactly. I'll just close the laptop. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'll just watch Steinfeld. That's okay. Right. Right. We're going to just um, watch something yeah. and, and go to bed after that. Like we're just done. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> There's always tomorrow. There's always right. tomorrow. Yes. And I'm a natural procrastinator. So that's. Oh, me too. Yeah. If it doesn't have to be done today, you know, it's going to get done. It's fine. So your motherhood, you have the two kids and then what does your work look like? Yeah. So, so for one thing I blog and my blogging schedule with that is I, with my podcast, it's an every other week release schedule with the podcast. So then with the blog, I try to release a new article every Friday. And then also on the alternating Wednesdays when a podcast doesn't come out, and so I try to keep that schedule. So I'm, I'm writing for the blog. I'm a staff writer for a site called Project Inspired, which is geared towards young women, kind of high school, college age, and covers a whole host of, of topics and how the Bible kind of applies to everything, you know, dating and, and makeup and like all the things that we'd be interested in, you know, at that age. And so I have a certain quota of a number of articles I have to write for them each month. I write for Thrive Moms, write some devotionals for their app. And so I kind of have like in my mind, like what I know, my quota is like what I have to write on any given week or month. And so then there's always, you know, the podcasting. And so I try to, with it being an every other week release schedule, I try to batch record episodes um, to where like I only record maybe twice a month and then I'm good for a little bit. So that's not Mm -hmm. super time consuming, Mm -hmm. but you know, obviously the, the coordinating schedules and the editing and all of that, like, you know, <laughs> how that goes. Yeah. Oh, do you do your editing? So my husband ends up doing most of it. I'm oh, wow. really glad. Yeah, wow. I'm glad because yeah. I don't know. I'm not techie. And that's why I tell people I do not belong in this world of all my stuff being yeah. online because I'm not techie. And so. Well, that's not true. But I, get, <laughs> I get what you're saying. I just don't. I feel overwhelmed easily. Like, yeah, all yeah. That kind of like, you know. Yeah. New. See, my problem is that I can do it all myself. So then that. That is like the, you know, I, okay, but I can't, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. time-wise, I really can't do it all, you know, because yeah. I'm doing this as a business, web design and branding and marketing. And so it's like, I I really, there's, you know, something's got to go. Something's got to be outsourced. So, yeah. And it's probably hard to delegate. Like sometimes for me, like yeah. I don't do so yeah. well delegating because I think, oh, well, I know what I'm doing. And so exactly. I could do it yeah. maybe better mm-hmm. or in a different way. So, yeah. I know. I, I have struggled that has been a point for me of development and growth of uh, really struggling to learn that delegating is a good thing and not in, in not a failure, Mm -hmm. you know, delegating is not like, well, I can't do it. So I have to delegate. It's like, no, I'm going to delegate so that Mm -hmm. I can do the things I really love, do the things only I can do. And having had a couple good experiences with that, it has really started to change the way I think about it. And instead of like getting to the place where I have to delegate, I'm like, okay, upfront, what, what can I afford to delegate as far as my bookkeeping, my accounting, my tax prep, all of those things, things I hate, yes. things I'm not good at. <laughs> and then, you know, even within like my own business, like, yeah, I could do that. But if I don't, I can just add some margin, pay someone else to do it, still make money and get all my time back. That's so awesome. and I'm really, really loving that. That's been something that we're just finding out with the magazine that we produce is we, it launched in January. So it's, it's new, you know, we're just kind of learning the ropes of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And we just recently brought on more friends of ours as part of our team. And so we've got someone that like handles Facebook for us. And cause she loves it more than I do. I do not like Facebook. I'm Instagram all the way. And so just having these different women who are in the body of Christ and who like are passionate about the same product and the same message and who can really be on your team and take a load off, but also feel like they are involved in it too. That's been the neatest thing just over the past couple months Mm -hmm. as we're transitioning into needing more of a team. It's been really sweet just to, to see that work together too. That's really cool. So kind of getting into what I would love to talk to you about today. Uh, You wrote a book called The Lies Mom Believe. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know, um, you know, before we get into that topic, like what in your own life prompted you to write that book? Can you kind of tell us the backstory? It's really funny because as soon as you said um, a minute ago about how, you know, you'll write something and it turns into something else. That's Mm -hmm. totally the story with this. I, for ever since becoming a mom, really. So for four years, I wanted to write a book on the topic of the mommy wars and how Mm. harmful they are. And that's still in, you know, the list of to do's, but that was my plan. That was the book I was going to write. Well, for some reason, it just, it wasn't happening. Mm. Even though I was really inspired in some ways and in other ways, it just 
wasn't really coming. So I started writing a lot just about more, you know, topics in general pertaining to motherhood. And I was getting a lot of feedback and just seeing a lot of memes or a lot of conversations on social media or whatever it was about all these struggles that we have as moms. I was having my own struggles. I was really dealing with mommy guilt a lot, really dealing with some lies that came from my season of legalism as a teen and what I thought motherhood was supposed to be. I thought it was to be my highest calling ever. Like I thought it was to fulfill me fully. I thought it was to be my identity. And so that baggage really caused a lot of wrong thinking, which led to a lot of just difficulty and struggle. And so I was thinking through these things. And for a while, you know, I grew up in the church, raised in a Christian home, but I, I think subconsciously thought that the gospel was good news for my eternity. And it is but that that was it. Like that is what the gospel is. It's not so much for the here and now. And I was just, you know, kind of going through these struggles and and chatting with some other mom friends and really seeing that there are a lot of lies that we're believing and the gospel actually does apply to the here and now. Like it actually does give us truth through which we can filter whatever it is that's coming at us. And so some of the inspiration did come from the mommy wars idea because we have all those voices coming at us every single day that we have to figure out, do I believe this? Do I not? Am I going to do this? Do I not do this? And so at first it was just going to be a free short little ebook for newsletter subscribers, small little thing, just, you know, whatever. So as I was compiling myself, the lies that I knew I had been believing the most, I decided just kind of quote unquote spur of the moment idea to go on social media and ask friends on there, like, are there some lies that you've been believing? If so, what are those? And within the span of about 10 minutes, I had so many responses and it was the craziest thing. It's not what I expected at all. And so as I started compiling all of these, some of them at at face value at first didn't seem to be something I had struggled with, but I went ahead and included them at first because I thought, well, these moms are. So obviously maybe the word has something to say about this. And as I went through that process of writing about some of those, I realized, oh, I actually somewhere down deep in here, like I have struggled with that. And so I quickly realized that if I was going to address all the lies that had been sent my way in this post then it was going to be way too big for a short little ebook. Like there is no way. And so it grew from there. And I I realized this is actually a thing. This is an issue we're dealing with in motherhood. So many of us. And honestly, you know, I, I wrote it to be an encouragement for other moms, but I feel like God in his grace really used the writing process for me. And I still struggle at times, of course, you know, we all do, but I've just seen such a huge difference in the way I struggle or how often I struggle or how quickly I bounce back from that struggle. Yeah. And so it's changed my life really. And so if it changes others, I'm so grateful, but it's really changed my outlook and has been such a blessing and and all the work that I had to put into really pouring over the scripture and seeing how it applies to these different topics really, Mm -hmm. I think better equipped me to take every thought captive because I used to read that verse and just kind of gloss over it, you know, move to the next verse, like nice platitude, whatever. And then I realized in this process, wait, no, this is actually something we're supposed to actively do. This is something we're supposed to put into practice. And Mm -hmm. I've done that more now. So I'm grateful for what ended up being a very unexpected project, (laughs) but it's, it's been really neat to see how it happened. (laughs) Yeah, that is. I mean, yeah, you're right. We do believe a lot of lies and whether we identify them as lies or whether we call them out or no, you know, really label them as such. Mm-hmm. We we do every single day. That's sin, right? Our sin nature kind of like seeping into kind of every thought and every situation that we might encounter and we have to war against that. Mm-hmm. So I love that you actually just kind of went literal with it. We're like, okay, let's look at the lies and let's like debunk them in a sense. Yeah. So I think that's really awesome. I want to interrupt this episode that I know you guys are really enjoying to bring to you a recommendation. If you listen to this show, then you're likely a mom. You're definitely a woman. And I think that you would also love a podcast by my friend Merit Ansa called the Devoted Dreamers Podcast. 
The Devoted Dreamers show is all about cultivating the momentum we need to find and fuel our calling. This is a topic that is so near and dear to my heart as I also am really passionate about helping women find what they're good at, what they're passionate about, what they're skilled in. And Merit actually takes that dream or that idea that you may have and she talks with women all about the issues and obstacles that we encounter as we are pursuing those dreams. So things like how to stop fear from stealing your dream, how to stay focused, and even the one-two gut punch of two simple reasons your dream is not about you. Ooh, ouch. You guys know that I love some good hard truths. So check out the Devoted Dreamers podcast. The next time you're in your app, be sure and subscribe, listen to a few of our episodes, and I particularly love how to stop fear from stealing your dream. Might have just been the season of life I was in when I heard it, but it was fire. Okay, guys, back to the show. Before we kind of move forward, can just for the woman who's like, I think I know what you mean, but can you explain this? What do you mean by mommy wars? Mm, Yeah. So it's, I think, most prevalent on social media, but I've even seen it in my own real life relationships from time to time. So just one example would be, you know, you go on social media and you see a mom post about, let's say, sleep training. And Mm -hmm. she's talking about, hey, I sleep train my babies from this age on. It's the best thing ever. Like, I could not operate without this. And what do you see in the comments? You may see some support for that, sure. But then you also see a lot of, how could you do that? You must never respond to your baby's cries. You must Mm -hmm. just let them cry for an hour until they finally just give up the ghost and go to sleep. Like, all this, (laughs) like, you know, really intense stuff. Like, I mean, they're going to have withdrawal syndrome. Yeah, they don't feel loved. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you're abandoning your babies. That's going Mm -hmm. to ruin them forever mentally, emotionally. They won't be able to have these relationships. I mean, I've seen it. I feel like I've seen it all. It's crazy how dramatic. And personal, really how personal these attacks become. And Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like, you know what, that has no place (laughs) in the church, Mm -hmm. especially where what ends up happening in the mommy wars, I feel like as we take these topics that absolutely do your research, of course, you know, think through what is right for you and your family. That's a wonderful thing to do. But I think we've raised a lot of these topics and a lot of the solutions or what we think are the solutions for these topics up to the level of scripture and mm-hmm. made it like, oh, a good Christian mom either does mm-hmm. or does not sleep train or does or does not yeah. homeschool or does or yeah. does not feed their children all organic foods. Does or does not spank. Right. Does or does not vaccinate. Exactly. Yeah. That's been a big one lately is the vaccinate. That, yeah. It's always big, but like it's been, I've noticed coming up a lot more lately. So it's just, it gets so tiring and it really drives a lot of wedges in between women who otherwise could be really good friends, you know, even yeah. family members. Yeah. I've seen it happen. And yeah, I think we all have. I mean, yeah. it's such a familiar tension and like you, you just feel your blood pressure rise when you're either when you're engaged in a conversation like that, or you see one and there's almost like that. Ooh, I want to go see what everybody's saying. Like, I want to go see like how many people are like, you know, telling everyone else they're a terrible human being. Yeah. And I think like one thing you said that I, I really see a lot uh, today in this day and age is the demonization of someone based on what they're doing. Oh, yes. Not, and, and, and so what you are doing becomes who you mm-hmm. are. And it's like, that's a leap. But you see it in personal relationships. You see it in political yes. climate. You know, it's not like, well, I disagree with your idea. Right. I think that there's a different way or here's what I believe. And still, you're a decent guy. You're a decent human being. You're you're a great mom. You're you're good. I I think you have like good intentions. I don't think a hateful, <laughs> immoral, you know, terrible person. Yeah. But that is actually like that is the leap that's being made. It is. is if I don't agree with you, mm-hmm. you are like despicable. Yeah. And and it and it's on both sides, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's really it's kind of scary that we we don't know especially millennials do not know how to disagree with someone and I'm one of them. So I'm, I know I'm part of that group, but, but I recognize that they do not know how to disagree with someone and yet still have an amicable relationship. Mm -hmm. That's so true. 
I'm not a psychologist. I can't explain to you why, or I'm not a, um, you know, anthropologist studying this phenomenon, but it's really sad. And so, man, I just want to teach my kids better than that. I want to teach them how they, yes, we can disagree and we don't have to say we can't be friends, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. And too, like as believers, we know that every single human being, whether we agree with them or not, is made in the image of God. Yeah. And I did a podcast with Dr. Rosaria Butterfield a couple of years oh, back. Yeah. Yeah. And she's she'll say she said something I will never ever forget. She said, Everybody you ever meet is an image bearer of God, and that deserves a little bit of respect. And I was yeah. like, Oh, you're so right about that. And that's just stayed yeah. with me. So yeah, I just I feel that's why I talk that about would shut us up on a lot of fronts. It if would. We that, it absolutely you know? would. Yeah. And like if we had a different culture when it comes to disagreement, whether it's in motherhood or elsewhere, we wouldn't, because I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm on edge a lot, especially in motherhood. If I'm talking with another mom about something I do, like a a method I've chosen, I always feel like I'm on the defensive. I don't want to be, but I always feel most like I have to be because of that culture of, oh, what's she going to think about me? Is she going to think I am a horrible person for what I have or have not done in this area? And so it's just... I feel like we are lacking so much peace that we could have if we just kind of lived like, you know, God called us to. <laughs> it's not right. easy, but it would really make things a lot better. Yeah. Took our eyes off ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's real. It's a real thing. So I would love to kind of know from you, I, I this book has 32 lies in it, but what are like the top five, or I don't know if you do them in order of importance or if they're just in, in no order in particular, but what are like the top five that you would say you see moms believing? Yeah. So there are a few that kind of, mm-hmm. I bundle together in a sense, the books divided into um, several parts. And so it's like lies about motherhood, lies about uh-huh. our children, lies about ourselves as moms and, and so on. So yeah. there are a few I bundled at the very beginning of the book, because I feel like they serve as the foundation going forward and our overall view of motherhood. And those are ones I kind of briefly mentioned earlier. The first line in the book is the lie that motherhood is a woman's highest calling. I believed that for a long time. And I don't want, I think it's so common. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm now saying that motherhood is not important or we go into that too. The next lie is motherhood. You know, the lie that motherhood is unimportant work. But I feel like whether it's in a certain church circle we were raised in or um, just kind of this cultural fight against the idea that motherhood isn't important. We've swung the opposite direction and gone too far mm-hmm. in another extreme where, you know, I just, I think about single women or women dealing with infertility or women who have lost a child or whatever it is. And I think if we continue this message that motherhood is a woman's highest calling, we are harming our sisters. We are mm-hmm. doing a lot of harm, really. We don't necessarily mean to. I'm not saying that at all, but we are inadvertently through the message we're portraying. And even if you are a mom, that lie is harmful because- It still harms you. Yeah, It still does because it leads to the other lies, the ones of my identity is to be based in my mothering Mm -hmm. or my ultimate fulfillment is to be found in my mothering. It's like Paul David Tripp says, you're making a good thing an ultimate thing. Yes. And that is what constitutes an idol. Yeah. It's now an idol. That's so true. And it really sends you on this roller coaster where, you know, if your identity is in motherhood, well, if you're having a good day when your kids are getting along, they're being obedient, y'all are just adoring each other, you know, this like mountaintop day. Oh, you're a good mom. Like my identity is safe mm-hmm. and secure. I'm a good mom. I've got this. But the next day when your kids bigger and fight from morning until evening when they don't listen to a single word you say. And when you really don't like being around them, suddenly your identity is plummeted and you're like, I'm the worst ever. I am a failure. I can't do this. Why did God give these children to me? And it's like, if we instead just based our identity in Christ and in who we are in him, it's not that we won't have good and bad days, but we'll have just kind of more of this even keel firm foundation of who we are that cannot truly be shaken. We'll still struggle from time to time, of course, but it, it cannot be shaken in the same way. If our identity yeah. is in him and what he has done and who he's made us to be and not so much in what we do. <laughs> yeah. 
So those have been, or how we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And another would be mommy guilt, you know, this lie that mommy guilt is just something I have to deal with, you know? And I'm like, no, the truth of the gospel is that your guilt, your shame, your condemnation, all of that has been Mm -hmm. taken away, you know? And, and I had read Romans eight, one for years where Paul talks about, there's no condemnation anymore for those who are in Christ. But when I was writing the book, it became so much more powerful for me because I read it in context. That's always helpful. At the end of Romans 7, so right before he says, there's now no condemnation, he is lamenting his struggles with sin. He's talking about what a wretched man he is. He's not doing the things he knows he should do. He's doing the things he knows he shouldn't, but Mm. there's no condemnation. And so when you read those together, it's like, oh, I can take this guilt, this shame, this condemnation I'm feeling, and I can lay it at the foot of the cross. I can take it to the Lord and remember the truth of the gospel and Mm -hmm. realize that there's a difference between conviction that, oh yeah, I yelled at my kids today. That's not good. And condemnation, which we don't have anymore as believers. Yeah. So that's that's a big one. (laughs) Yeah, that is a big one. Yeah. And not living under shame, which I think we can sometimes, sometimes justify feeling shame over the mommy guilt, because we say, well, um, you know, that, that's something that I am actually guilty of. Like I am actually responsible. It's on me. They don't have another mom. If I'm not there when something happens or when they get hurt or when there's a performance or I can't make something or I have to work, or I'm not there for bedtime because, you know, I have a call, whatever it might be. It's really easy for me to talk myself into like, that's on you. Mm -hmm. That's your job, you know? And instead of, releasing, like you said, even the things that are our responsibility, there is still grace for us because of the cross. And because you like that verse says there is now no condemnation, even when you are responsible. Now, some of those things, of course, could venture into sin if you are really, you know, it could be coming from and it all depends on the motivation of your heart, right? Not like necessarily the action itself. It could be it's often a heart motivation. And and that's where we need to be, you know, receptive to the Holy Spirit and going, okay, is what I'm hearing that lie of the devil condemning me and telling me that I'm a failure and that I'm a terrible <laughs> mom? Or is it, you know, hey, you are worshiping work. Mm-hmm. You are idolizing productivity. Yeah. You are those things, you know, and those are also real things that I've struggled with. Oh, so, too, yeah. um, you know, and so we, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's that discernment piece that can be challenging yes. to develop, <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. And another thing back to kind of what you were talking about with motherhood being the highest calling. Now, would you say you put in terms of your priorities, like you would, would you say like God, family work, mm-hmm. for instance, is that like your priorities would go that way? Right. But you, you're saying not to make my highest calling my mothering right? because yeah. then it is on the throne. Exactly. It's, it's actually what I'm worshiping. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when it comes to those right priorities of God, family, work, you know, even something like, you know, viewing motherhood as your ultimate highest calling, you can take that and end up placing that above God. You can say, oh, I'm too right. busy as a mom. I have to be with my children 24 mm-hmm. seven, meet every single need, make sure they never watch TV, make sure they never, whatever it might be. And then use that as an excuse to never be in the Bible. Right. And mm-hmm. which is, we've got to be well-rounded and we got to be doing piano and soccer right. and Awana and everything. Yes, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that, that light can really affect mm-hmm. that proper list of priorities. The same right. goes for your marriage. You know, it's like, how often do we put our kids above our marriage and then wonder, oh, yikes, like, is that why we're having this issue or, yeah. you know? And so I have found that, that truly my husband and I, what we've done, and this doesn't work for everyone in every season, but we go on date nights once a month and we have found that really that's good for our kids. Like that's a good thing Mm -hmm. for them that we have Mm -hmm. that it's good for us and for our marriage. It's good for then how we parent and our whole family. It's great for my kids because they get to spend time with Nana and pop, you know, like they have that special time with grandparents. I mean, it's just good all the way around when we have those proper priorities. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. So the last one you mentioned was the mommy guilt, I think. What comes next? Yeah. So another one is this lie that you have to be a perfect mom. And mm-hmm. it's not that that your aim should not be to mm-hmm. be an amazing mom. That That's not the problem. It's the problem of thinking 
that that is the expectation that you have to be perfect. And if you're not a perfect mom, you're ruining your children forever. You're disappointing God, whatever the case may be. And what I have found is that, you know what, it's not my responsibility to be a perfect mom. Mm -hmm. My responsibility is to point my kids to a perfect savior. And, you know, I do that in the, in the good times when, you know, I'm pretty patient and I am talking with my kids about something in the Bible. We're reading Jesus storybook Bible, whatever it is. But honestly, I feel like sometimes too, God is so gracious and we don't sin so that grace may abound. I'm not saying that, but God is so gracious to take our moments. For me, it's my temper and to redeem those because one of the conversations that I had with my daughter when she was three, she's now four was one day, I don't know what the problem was. We both woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, it was awful. We kept hollering at each other. I would pray, ask her forgiveness. And then 10 minutes later, holler again. I mean, just this vicious cycle. At one point in that afternoon, I had lost my temper again. And I said, oh, Anna, let's, let's pray. You know, and she takes my hand. I pray. And I said, okay. She goes, Jesus, thank you that you forgive mommy when she's not very nice. And it hit me and I was like, she gets it. Like she's getting, like there's something starting to get through to her of what the gospel is, what Jesus does for us, what we need to do when we do sin and when we do hurt somebody else or whatever it is. And so even though that was not a good day, really it was in that imperfection that I was able to see, oh, my daughter is picking up on some of this. And it was through that, that prayer over and over of Lord, forgive me, strengthen me, help me to be gracious, you know, patient, whatever that she got it. And I thought, you know what? It's not that I then strive to be imperfect, but it's like, I have that hope of when I am imperfect, then God redeems it and he brings good from it. And we can point our kids to that perfect savior, through those moments of imperfection. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, even like aside from, from the context of motherhood, I think that message is true for us just as human beings as well, that, yeah. you know, this is something I struggled with. I think in high school and college, I also was very legalistic mm-hmm. high schooler, as you mentioned, we probably could have a whole episode yeah. on that. <laughs> and <laughs> anyway, I think what I really believed, and I've done some personal work in this area, you know, recently to, to kind of uncover, like, what was it? Because I, I know I was a believer. I know I was a Christian. Yeah. I know that I had a relationship with God that was strong in high school that kind of started to veer further and further away as I got into college. And I think what I really believed, I've come to kind of identify, is that I was capable of perfection. I was actually capable yes. if I just stopped messing up. If I like, I should be able to be perfect. I should be able to, I'm a Christian. I know the law. I have Mm -hmm. the word of God. I have everything I need. (laughs) Yeah. Like why shouldn't I be able to be perfect? But of course that knowledge of sin and the fact that like, Oh, well, you know, because you are actually still in this imperfect world, this imperfect body, and you still need God's forgiveness. You still need daily help. You still need to submit and carry those back to the cross every single moment. I didn't have a pathway back. And so then I really went into this cycle of shame and it was like, I'm so ashamed that I am not doing things perfectly, that I'm not achieving what I know I should be. And then that kind of introduced a whole different mechanism for me to try and make myself right Mm -hmm. before God of work and um, working hard and achieving success and and pleasing people and performance-based morality and all these other things that Mm -hmm. brought in so much dysfunction and misunderstanding of, you know, my standing before God and really who I was and how he, he didn't ever expect me to be perfect. You know, like you said, he never, he knows that we're not capable of that, but sometimes, (laughs) yes, like sometimes we don't know. Yes. Sometimes we think we are actually capable of perfection. And, and then we are actually, the worst thing about it is that it causes us to be prideful because we are unwilling to admit that I need forgiveness, that I need grace, that I need help because I actually should have known better. That's the lie. You know, I should have, I should have known better. No, there's no excuse. I'm not sorry. I should have known better. You know, it's, it's crazy. Just the dysfunction and the lies that sin really tells us when we're living willfully against God's law and, and choosing sin over and over. But it, it, I just, 
that in my own life, even before I was a mom, was a very easy thing for me to slip into, even as a believer. And so, you know, certainly like within the context of motherhood, it is also going to be something that you, you know, you've got to really understand. And and that's the, where we've got to be in the word of God. You know, I know you would, you would say the same yeah. thing. You've got to be <laughs> reading his word or it just won't be near to us. It won't be close to us. The, those reminders and that truth will be far off yeah. and not, and not ever present, you know, and we won't be able to take those thoughts captive because we're not going to know what to take them captive to. We're not even going to know there's something to take captive because we don't know what the truth is. So we don't know what a lie is. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) your story sounds so much like mine. We really could talk for hours about that because I, in my experience, I feel like, and I say this all the time, legalism is so closely tied up with that judgmental, arrogant, prideful nature. Yeah. Um, because you know, whether you're just constantly talking about, Oh, I've got myself together because I am doing X, Y, Z, or you look yeah. down at someone, Oh, they don't, they're not as good as I am. They are yeah. so imperfect. And I'm thinking, I have so much regret that I was ever that way. And I still, you know, I always have to, you know, we're never perfectly humble, right? Like we always have to, to walk by the spirit, but but yeah, it's, it's so true. We can just get caught up in that trap so easily. And the crazy thing is that we're all still living all the while we're, we're living in sin yeah. and we're actually like being enabled to live in sin because we aren't seeing ourselves clearly because we're not seeing God clearly. And so we're blinded. And yet we are trying to take the speck out of our brother's yes. eyes. We've got the log, but we're taking the speck out. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, again, the mommy wars is where this how that's even possible is because we don't see our own problems. We don't see our own imperfection. We think really like I am capable of being the perfect mother yeah. and I have everything I need and I know everything I've done my research. Yep. And <laughs> now I'm on a pedestal and I can look down at all of you peasants and judge you. Exactly. you know? yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's really, um, man, that's one that I think just is so foundational and gosh, we could, yeah, we could talk forever. What's next? Yeah. So another one that I wanted to be sure to include in the book because I struggled with it myself and I know a lot of moms do is just Mm -hmm. this lie that your postpartum body, now, whether that's right after you have a baby or anytime after, you know, having a baby, that your postpartum body needs to look a certain way or that it's ruined or anything like that. I had a big struggle with that when I had my first. We got pregnant very early on in our marriage. We found out about the fact that I was pregnant on our two-month wedding anniversary. So we got pregnant a month in. And so then, of course, you're going through all those changes, and you have the baby, and your body's all sorts of changed, right? And I struggled a lot during those early, especially the first six weeks postpartum. And really kind of being glad to kind of hide behind that. Oh, don't be intimate for six weeks thing, you know, because I didn't want my husband who has always been nothing but, but sweet. And so, so like loving and and everything. I didn't want him to see me. Right. Especially because we hadn't been married that long. Like like, here are all these changes and we just got married. And Mm -hmm. so I struggled a lot with just that postpartum body image. And in this culture, we are told that our worth and our value is tied up in what we look like. And, you know, there are so many things that that people can do, whether it's, you know, uh, shapewear or whatever, that other women look like they are just perfect and and put together. And then we know that underneath all these clothes, we're not. And so (laughs) we just compare Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And so I just had to, to kind of go through and and realize that, you know, when we read in the word about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that doesn't just apply to before we have kids. That's, yeah. that's in general, that is us as God's creation and mm-hmm. being able to give birth to new life is something not everyone can do, but for those who God has called them to do that. And that's, that's something they've done. Like that's, that's part of, of, your mission. Like that's part of what your body is here for. It's not again, Mm -hmm. the ultimate thing, but it's part of that. And so it's not that your body is somehow ruined now or that it's broken or whatever. It's like, no, this is part of God's design. And you brought a new image bearer into this world. And one thing that it's been really helpful in terms of like the gospel is, you know, I would look in the mirror and see all my stretch marks and, you know, Mm -hmm. scars and things and just lament them and just, you know, really not like them very much. And I realized one day Jesus has scars and Mm -hmm. it was those scars that enabled Thomas to believe 
And it was those scars that were that tangible everyday reminder that that is how much he loves us. That is what he did for us. And so as moms, like, obviously we're not saviors, but we do a lot for our kids. We are broken in some ways for our kids, whether it's the difficulties of pregnancy or postpartum or sleepless nights or nursing or whatever it is, we do pour out, out of love for our children. And even though that's hard and sometimes it's overwhelming and sometimes I and my selfishness don't want to, (laughs) it is able to be a reminder, whether it's my stretch marks or whatever it is, a reminder of, okay, that's a sign of your love for your kids. Remember the sign of Christ's love for you. Have that, that direct your mind back to Mm -hmm. the scars that Christ has and what that means. And that's changed it a lot. Yeah. It makes me think of the verse, you know, if you as a father, if you as an earthly father would not give your child a stone when he asks for bread or fish or whatever the reference is, you know, how much more will your, your heavenly father not turn you away, not deny you, not provide everything that you need and abundantly more than you ask or imagine. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and often it is hard for us to remember that, especially in those trying times and seasons where things don't look luxurious and don't look (laughs) easy that God is still providing. Mm -hmm. And even in those hard days of mothering where you're like, what is happening with my life? You know, God is providing the, you know, the evidence that you need to to show your children to like point them to him. And, Mm -hmm. and that hard day you described, like what a beautiful, if that's the cost that you had to pay in the sense to, to teach her something that she now will carry with her, hopefully the rest of her life and understanding of, I can come back to God, even when I sin something that I didn't even know as a college student, like, yeah, that's amazing. Like that is that, that cost is well worth it. And yeah, just like that, even our, even the small cost that we are paying as a parent, the very small cost in relation, you know, (laughs) to what God did for us only served to point us back to like, wow, you know, this feels like a lot to me and I love my child and they're my, and they're mine. And yet we were God's enemies. You know, we were like, yes, he created us, but we were, we were at enmity with him and yeah, it's just amazing. So I love that analogy. That's beautiful. It's made a difference. (laughs) Are there any scriptures that you lean on or, or go to over and over again as you are thinking through these lies and, and talking with women about them? Like, what are what are some of your go-tos? Yeah. Well, Romans 8, 1 always is a big one for me. But another one is in um, 2 Corinthians. And it's it may not seem applicable to motherhood at first, but I feel like it is, where Paul talks about he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And one of the lies in the book is that my success as a mom is dependent on how my children turn out. Mm -hmm. And it is true. We do have responsibilities. We are to train our kids up in the way they should go. We are to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Absolutely. But they're, you know, they're also human beings with with choices to make and Mm -hmm. their relationship or lack thereof with God is between them and God. Now, granted, we influence that. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we plant the seed. We, we raise our kids in the way they should go. We, you know, um, share the word as Deuteronomy six talks about, you know, as often as we can all throughout the day and apply it to everyday things. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're planting that seed. Someone else may come along and water it, you know, a good godly friend or whatever that looks like our church, our pastor, but ultimately God is the one who gives the increase. And so even if, I end up with, and I pray this doesn't happen, but if one day one of my children grows up, they're out of the house, they become atheistic and they say, you know what? All that stuff I was raised with, forget it. No, I don't believe a thing of it. That's not on me. If I've been faithful to fulfill that responsibility of sharing the truth, of pointing them to the Lord, that's not on me. That's between them and God. And so my success as, as a mom is not dependent on making sure both of my kids are in Christian ministry or pastoring a church or, you know, um, a foreign overseas missionary or something like that. They, even if they grow up to be atheists, and again, I pray that's not the case, but if they did, that is not what then defines whether or not I was a successful Mm -hmm. mom because I've Mm -hmm. done my part. And then God works in and through what we've done, what others do, you know, how he reaches out to them. Um, 
to really go from there. And I think that that really takes a load off because again, in those moments when we are so far less than perfect, we can end up feeling like we're ruining our kids that we're Mm going to send them into therapy because we hollered at them again or whatever it is. And if we can just remember, no, first of all, there's grace for you and forgiveness for what you have done wrong. But there's Mm -hmm. also that realization that the results are up to God and it's something that he does in their hearts and and they choose or don't choose him and all that kind of thing that that's not ultimately on us. And I think that has been, again, that verse isn't, you know, the context is not motherhood, but I feel like it's so helpful in those moments when we honestly feel like we're ruining our kids and are, you know, going to be unsuccessful and they're going to just hate everything about Christianity or whatever it is. Back to like, do you think that you are powerful enough to do that? You know, you are not powerful enough to ruin your children because we've all heard how many, how many terrible testimonies have you heard from people who grew up in abusive homes or in, in really terrible situations, everything against them. They should have been out on the street. They should have been, you know, people that hated God, drug addicts, alcoholics, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever the storyline is. And God has reached in, you know, to that scenario there. And so while no, your upbringing, being in a Christian home does not guarantee your salvation or or any of those things, going to private school does not guarantee you're going to heaven. God is able, you know, he is strong and we are not strong enough to thwart his will. Even if we fail, even if on, on purpose we fail, you know, um, accidentally or on purpose. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that because, you know, I think we all need to hear that message right now, whether we're moms or not, because we live in a really big self-help culture and time right now. And that has seeped into the church quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And we're told, oh, you're in charge of your life. You're in charge of your dreams. You make your dreams happen. You're in charge of what happens. I am glad I'm not. That is too big of a burden to carry and too much of a responsibility. How are we going to have peace if we think the whole of everything is riding on us? We're not. And people don't, you know, that's the funny thing is people in that self-help world are actually also the ones confessing, you know, they struggle with a lot of anxiety. And now I'm not saying that that's the only cause of anxiety. There's other causes and other situations, circumstances, but yeah, you, you, you see a lot of that truth telling and showing up and being vulnerable around these topics. But at the same time, you find out these people are deeply broken and just like us, you know, you're deeply broken. That's that solution is literally a bandaid for a gaping, gashing, bleeding wound. And it, and, and there is no, no help from within myself, Mm -hmm. save the Holy spirit that is actually helpful at all. It's, it's really not, there's really no such thing as self-help. It's actually, it doesn't exist. That's right. I don't, yeah. I don't want to rely on that or like the idea, the lie we talk about in the book also that I'm enough, like on my own, yeah. because oh, yeah. that's just, don't even get me started on that one. Yeah. It's in the that. book. I, yeah. So don't get me started either. I wrote about it. That's enough. Like <laughs> the necklaces, the necklaces, they're everywhere. Yes. Stop saying you're enough. Yeah. And I think people mean well and and they think that's encouraging to hear, but it's not, Mm -hmm. it goes back to that burden. I don't want Mm self-help. I want God's help. Like I want the ultimate, like the God of the universe, the the one who created all things to help me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to be enough on my own. You know, I'm not and could never be, but I also don't want to be. Yeah. mm -mm. Yeah. And, and for, for someone who struggles with, you know, low self-esteem or, or low self-importance or doesn't have dignity because they understand they're made in the image of God, that may feel like a really uplifting message yeah. to them. But to those of us who struggle on the opposite side with pride That's me. Yeah. and with actually too much self-importance or too much go-getter, I can achieve whatever I put my mind to, I'm going to pull myself up on my bootstraps. Yep. That message of I am enough mm-hmm. drives me away from God. Absolutely. It actually drives me in the opposite direction of him. When I recognize, no, I'm not enough, I can't do it. There's nothing I can produce or do or achieve that will ever make me right for God mm-hmm. or ever make me feel good enough about my life. Yeah. That's when I come to him. That's when I'm, you know, near to him and saying, I need your help. I need you. I I I want you. Of course, in the context of you are enough with the blood of Christ applied to your right. account, like right. that that could be we can we can that talk about that. that. Yeah. Have, yeah. Add that on right. there. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's no longer a cute little colloquialism, yeah. right? If you, if you're doing that. So and it's also not any longer ultimately about you. Like even the, I yes. am enough through Christ. Yeah. It's still through Christ. Ultimately it's, it's who yeah. he's made you to be. It's what he's done and what he did on the cross for you 
and mm-hmm. his righteousness that's now yours it's not your righteousness it's his like mm-hmm. that still isn't you being enough you know he yeah. he makes you enough in his sight but it's all about him it's like sorry this still isn't about you right <laughs> hey, <to tell ya. laughs> there's not really a good way to put this right but... <laughs> <laughs> yep oh man well Rebecca I really appreciate you sharing some of these lies with us and encourage people to get your book and, and read the rest of them because it's the first five applied I'm sure the other what is it 27 <laughs> right. will as well so yeah, thank you so much. Oh, well, I appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, like it, the book helped me, but I hope that it can you know encourage others because this is hard. Motherhood is hard. No one saying it's easy out there. Like it's, it's not, but we have hope yeah. and we do have hope. <laughs> and so I just, in this day and age of a lot of self-help and a lot of lies out there, I hope that maybe it can be an encouragement to, to free us up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. It is. Where do people connect with you online and and find more of your writing? Sure. Yeah. So my blog is hargraveshomeandhearth.com. And so you can find all the links on there. Um, But the podcast is the Home and Hearth podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, all those things. And social media, I definitely, like I said earlier, (laughs) prefer Instagram. So I am just at Rebecca Hargraves on there. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks, Rebecca. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. I always, as always, hope and pray that episode was encouraging and uplifting to you and also just helped to remind you how you can preach the gospel to yourself when you are believing a lie and when you are finding yourself stuck and just weighed down by so much of the garbage that is from none other than uh, the evil one himself and (laughs) that he wants to take you out with. But he doesn't have that kind of power. His lies don't have that kind of permanence. Only the word of God is true. And it's available to us to use and preach to ourselves and to others. So speak the truth in love today, both to the world, the ones around you, and maybe more importantly, to yourself. All right, guys. Next week, I'm back with an episode uh, with Jamie McLaughlin. Jamie is on Instagram, The Mac House. Uh, I bet some of you are already following her because she's kind of popular, but she is passionate about self-care, moms, and beauty. Jamie believes that with the right tools, women can be pretty confident and pretty powerful. She talks about not living in a place of guilt and survival mode as though it is where you belong. So that resonated with me, as I'm sure it will a lot of you. Join us back here next week on Kindled. Until then, have an awesome week. Be sure and click subscribe in your podcast app. Find me on Instagram at hayleywilliams.kindled. Leave a review if you haven't, and I will see you guys back here next Monday.